Hi and welcome to the Girl Next Door podcast. I'm your host Renee Bennett and this is a leadership podcast for ordinary girls compelled to lead an extraordinary life. Make sure you come and find me on social media, girlnextdoor.podcast. Hi everyone, we are going to get started straight away today because as usual, I think I'm starting to say this more and more, I've got a lot to get through. So let's get right into it. Thank you for joining me. Now, I'm really excited because this is the last installment of our Girl Power Collection. So this is number six in the Girl Power Collection, number 33, episode 33 overall. So make sure that you go back to the start and listen to one, two, three, four, and five, because I've taken you on quite a journey through our feminism, equality, Uh, Last week, I spoke about women in the church and why women can be in ministry and on the platform. And today, I want to land it on perhaps a little bit of a controversial topic, uh, all about can women be senior pastors? So can and should women hold senior leadership roles? Uh, Today, we're going to look at main the main two views on this, and you're going to hear my conclusion, but like I say all the time, you need to come to your own. You don't have to believe what I say or believe what I believe, but I just want to make you think. Uh, Now, some things in the Bible are more black and white than others. Like, you know, there are things that are specifically good or evil or wrong or right. But then there are other things that are just open to our interpretation of scripture. And women in ministry is one of these. So, Okay, here we go. Please let me know what you think because I know that many of us here are going to have different views on this. Okay, so let's have a look. I wanted to begin by looking at some stats. And uh, for those of you that have been listening to me for a while, you know that I'm part of um, our churches, a part of the ACC or Australian Christian Churches. I grew up uniting, but I've been in this movement since I was about 13. So I know that the statistics and women in ministry is very different depending upon your denomination that you are in. So I'm talking stats now on behalf of the ACC. I thought this was very interesting that 52% of all people employed in the ACC are women. 52%. Okay. I thought that was good. More women are employed by our church than men. So some would argue, well, yes, but a lot of these would be admin roles. Okay. I would argue, well, why is an admin role considered of less value than any other leadership role? So for example, in our church, Shani is our youth pastor. I'm the lead pastor with Cameron. But then we have Vanessa, who's our admin and finance staff member. Now, I was actually talking to V, I call her V, uh, just a couple of nights ago, and we were actually laughing. Actually, I think we were in the front row of church. I don't know how we got on to talking about this. We were actually laughing that when we were little, how different we were. So I would literally line my dolls and my teddies up, and I had a lot of dolls and teddies. I would put them in this semicircle, and then I'd put a little chair in front of them, and I would read them stories, like literally like a teacher. Then Vanessa told me that she used to sit near her window and tally up all the different colored cars that would go past and like make a spreadsheet. And we laughed so hard, but how much that was in line with what she's doing now and with what I'm doing now, 
I could not think of anything worse than tallying up numbers on a spreadsheet. And she probably couldn't think of anything worse than having to do a podcast or put a sermon together. Uh, But, you know, Vanessa was created by God with admin gifts. I was created by God with pastoral and teaching gifts. Why is my gift considered more valuable? So why are we pushing just an interesting question, but you know, why are we pushing then for more women to be senior pastors, but we aren't pushing for more women to be in admin roles? Maybe, I guess you'd probably say because there already maybe are a lot of women in admin roles, but there's my argument. Why is that any less important? So that was just one thought I had on my head. Um, the other statistic is that 33% in the ACC uh of women are credentialed. Now, credentialed can mean one of two things. We have what's called a PMC, which is your probationary minister's uh, credential or certificate, or your OMC, which is your ordained ministers. So 33 in every 100 people in our movement um, are women and are credentialed. So what do you think about that? Um, You know, so 33 out of every 100 people in a room are credentialed women pastors. I thought that was pretty good. Um, I think it does show that we need to be more intentional to intentional to continue to raise and develop more girls into, into credentialed roles. However, I also would warn against and go back to podcast 31 on the false utopia of gender equality, that it's also a dangerous thing when we start mandating it has to be this 50-50. Because once you get there and everyone sighs this huge sigh of relief, oh, we did it, yay us. Well, we've got 50% women in our movement are credentialed. Well, that's not going to be enough. Then we're going to need to start mandating of those 50%, there should be further equality. So we've just got to be careful that we're not using a standard that the world sets and we're using a God standard. But I do understand that those statistics do help us to measure how we are tracking in raising women within, at least within our church. If you're from another denomination, I'd love to know what it's like in your denomination. I think our denomination is particularly great at raising women leaders. Um, So let's look at the two main views that people hold when it comes to women in ministry. And you might have heard of these words before, but they're egalitarian or complementarian. And I'm going to present both of these to you. And you might kind of, as I'm chatting, go, oh yeah, I really relate to that. Or this is kind of like where I sit And I will let you know where I sit with this. Um, And just remember too, you don't have to be one or the other. You kind of can be in between the two as well. So yeah, let's go. All right, egalitarian. Uh, This is the biblical word for equality. Okay, so biblical, we're talking biblical equality. So men and women, um, if you have egalitarian beliefs, are considered to be completely equal in value and completely equal in roles. So there are no gender roles for men and women. So women can function any way that they like in the home and in the church. So here are some of their basic views, if you're an egalitarian, that we were created equally in the beginning and were both given the right to rule over creation, which I've talked about before in Genesis. Then when sin interrupted the world, God's order was disrupted. And for the first time we see 
the introduction of the hierarchy and that the woman became subservient and men became supreme over the woman. But then through the redemption of Christ, we have again had equality restored. And egalitarians would give the example of, you know, some women who have prominent roles in the Bible, such as Miriam and Deborah, as well as females who participated in the ministry of Jesus. And I've talked about all these women also in previous podcasts. They would say that in Acts, both men and women are equal recipients of the Holy Spirit. Okay. So I spoke about last week, there are scriptures such as in Corinthians where women prophesied, which was a gift used to instruct and edify people in the church. So egalitarians believe men and women are equal in status in the home and the church and society. They believe our different roles are determined by our natural gifts, our abilities, our spiritual gifts, and that it's not our gender that determines our roles. Okay. They don't disqualify women from any role based on gender, and there's certainly no role for the patriarchy. They'd believe that a woman could be a sole senior pastor of a church. Now, there's a lot of that that I would go, yep, I believe, tick, 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 tick. There's a lot in there that I do um, that I do agree with. Let's look at the other side of the scale, which is a complementarian. Now, complementarians believe that we are equal in value, so same as the egalitarians, that we're equal in value, but this is where it differs. They believe that we're created for unique and distinct roles, whereas egalitarians believe that we we have equal roles, same roles. Complementarians believe we have unique and distinct roles. We're designed differently for specific roles, and we complete and complement one another, which is where the word complementarian comes from. So they believe the male was given responsibility and loving authority over the female. And when sin interrupted the world, the result was that women had a desire to usurp the man's authority. So both agree that sin brought disorder. They just disagree with what kind of disorder. And then with the redemption of Christ, proper orders restored where men have the authority in leadership of the church and home, and women are not to exercise authority roles over a man in the church, such as teaching roles. They believe in a healthy hierarchical design, and they would cite a lot of the male headship scriptures where it talks about male headship and male authority. So while we're equal in value and honor, there's fundamental gender differences between men and women, and they would not condone a woman being a sole senior pastor of a church. And depending on how hardcore you are with being a complementarian, some who are really hardcore would even say that women shouldn't hold any roles in the church um, and that they should only um, teach children or other women or um, have roles in the home. So you've got these two extreme views. And you can be on a sliding scale between these two, okay? You could be a hardcore egalitarian, all for equal equal rights, or you could be a hardcore complementarian, which I just explained. Or you can even be what's called kind of like a a, a soft egalitarian or a soft complementarian where maybe you've you've got, you share some views of of each or you only share some of the views, but other, other parts you don't believe. So... I can definitely personally see, uh, you know, some good parts of both, but I do tend to lean more towards the complementarian point of view um, for a couple of reasons. So I think if you've been listening to my podcast as well, 
Um, this is where I think we need to be really careful about what the word equality actually means. And if you look at the word equality in the worldly sense, I've said it quite a few times, it means that we should have exactly the same opportunities, rights, and responsibilities regardless of our gender. That is a a secular um, definition of the word equality, um, but it's pretty close to what egalitarians also believe, that it shouldn't matter our gender, we should all be given the same rights. Now, as I've explained many times before, I believe from scripture that we are of equal value and um, our roles are in some ways attached to our gender, and I've explained that. Um, our roles aren't completely equal in opportunity. You know, we women have to go and have the babies, and for example, and how can we continue on even in a ministry role if we're having a child? So one of the issues that I do perhaps have with the egalitarian view is that they tend to use these words um, hierarchy and patriarchy. And if you've listened to any of my podcasts on feminism, I don't. I don't like either of those words. Um, you know, hierarchy. I think, I think we need order. Um, I think if you look at a home, if you look at a family, you know, I have so many parents that will come to me, particularly mums, and they're absolutely exhausted because they don't have order at home. The kids go to bed when they want, the kids eat when they want, the kids sleep in whatever bed they want, the kid gets up when they want, um, and there's no order. And um, that's just not a healthy way to function. I I know I could not function that way. Uh, so the egalitarian view does lean more toward toward using those words, which I do have an issue with. Um, they also are wanting this whole equality of outcome, but I struggle with that. And again, go back and listen to my podcast on the false utopia of, of gender equality. Um, just because something is different doesn't make us unequal. And again, if you look at egalitarian views, they believe that um, you know, equal value also means exactly equal roles and that different is not good. Whereas I'm like, no, I think different is good. We are different. Men and women bring different things to the table. We bring different, that's why we, when left to our own devices, we choose different jobs. Um, and not all the time, but, but often and in general. So just because we're different doesn't mean we're unequal. And difference is also not because of oppression and inequality. It can be, but it's it's not always because of that. So I, as you know, do completely believe that women can do any role in ministry. And I've talked about that before, very passionately. I go back to my last podcast. They can teach, preach, worship, lead, prophesy, lead pastor, etc. But the reason this podcast kind of came about and that I want to, I've actually wanted to do it from the beginning of this girl power uh, collection, but I've left it till now. And it came about because Cameron and I were having a conversation about, well, what would, what would we do? What would I do if with public, if anything happened to Cameron? And I was surprised at his response and I was surprised at my response. Well, I probably wasn't surprised at his, I was more surprised at myself. And he said to me, well, of course, like without any reservation straight away, he's like, well, babe, of course that you would run it without me. My immediate response was, I don't know that I would. Now I know that I could, there would be some things that would concern me. I don't have um, particular giftings when it comes to business or finances, but that's not a gender thing. That's like a personality thing. But I don't think that I would. And then I thought about it a bit more and I thought, well, the only reason I would is if I had another really good, strong male with me like Isaiah, um, then 
I would perhaps consider it. But it did make me think, why do I feel this way? Why does it not feel quite right to me to be the sole senior pastor of a church? Is it because I'm a woman? Is it because of my, what I would consider to be my giftings? Maybe wouldn't be perhaps suited to that. I I don't know. Now, I could get into the whole idea of male authority because this is where complementarians sit big time. This is, this is kind of the big bone of contention between complementarians and egalitarians. So let, let me just park here for a second. So the egalitarian view is that the use of male authority in any way over a woman is, is hierarchical and further enabling the idea of the patriarchy, whereas the complementarian view is to look, okay, well, we look at all the times we see the word head and headship and authority used in the Bible, and the root word of head is kafali, K-E-P-H-A-L-E, which apparently has been used 50 different times in extra-biblical Greek literature. And every instance, the word for head always means somebody who's in charge of an organization or ruling over a situation. So it's always got to do with authority. It never is to do with someone who doesn't have authority. So what would that even mean for a wife? That the male is the authority of the household. That's complementarian. That means a woman who's preaching or teaching needs a male headship um, and that a male should be the head of a church or an organization. Okay, so to me, this is where it gets sticky, okay, because egalitarians see this as a complete misunderstanding of the equality that the Bible really teaches right back in Genesis, which I've talked about before, that God's given male and female equal dominion over the earth. Um, complementarians though, they see this whole authority thing like, yeah, we're equal, but we're different and different doesn't mean unequal. And that the authority and covering of a man is not a dominance thing, but simply a part of structure and order. So can you see the difference? Egalitarians are like, no, that male authority is dominance and it's, um, it's taking away the equality of women. And whereas complementarians go, no, it's not dominance. It's just part of structure and order and how God's designed us to function. I can see both sides. What, what do you think? If you lean towards egalitarian, you would say a woman can absolutely be the senior pastor of a church. If you lead towards complementarian, you'd say one of two things, depending on how hardcore you were. You'd either say women shouldn't hold any position of authority, including preaching or pastoring or teaching, or you would say, well, a woman can do anything, but a man should be the head of the church or the organization and provide cover and protection. But within this, women can do anything. In fact, her gifts are necessary to see the health and growth of a church. Okay. Now, I tend to lean towards that last one. I I tend to lean towards a woman can do absolutely anything, preach, teach, um, lead, which I do. I am equally the lead pastor of, you know, Public Church with Cameron. In fact, I would say that, you know, my gifts are necessary for the health and the growth of our church, but I can't get past this. And this is why I tend to lean this way. I believe with all my heart that just like every home needs a dad, every church needs a dad, needs a father. Now, this is probably because of my own experience, my personal experience. But apart from the fact that I am reading about it in many places in the Bible, about male authority and covering, I have grown up in a house without a father and something was missing 
my whole life. A house without a father doesn't feel right. A house without a father has something missing. Like I never, I never actually felt really safe or fully protected or fully looked after. I always felt a little bit unsafe. And I don't know, perhaps maybe because my mum was a little bit nervy as well, looking after us. Like I remember on um, at nighttime when we would visit my grandparents, my Oma and Opa would go and have dinner there. And I remember my mum was always really nervous driving home in the dark. She was always nervous opening up the door and walking inside my house in the dark. And then as soon as we got home, she would always ring her dad, which was my opa, to let him know that we got home safely. Um, I remember if there was a storm, because we had a double-story house and we had trees around, my mum would wake my sister and I up in the middle of the night and she would take us down to under the staircase um, because she felt like we were more protected there. And, um, you know, she'd kind of make it fun and we'd have torches on and she'd bring biscuits in and it was kind of fun. But I always just remember feeling a little bit scared and a little bit like not fully protected. But neither is a house right without a mother. Ask anybody who was raised without a mum something is missing. You know, the caring, the nurturing, the loving role was very evidentially missing. Now, I grew up with a mum, but if you were to ask someone or if one of your my listeners here, you grew up without a mum, you know what I mean. A house needs a mother and a father to function well. And so, you know, I know that people could use the complementarian authority um, you know, at reasons in the Bible. And, and, and I can see that, although I can see the egalitarian side too. But I just know from, from my experience that, you know, a child needs a mother and a father and a house needs a mother and a father. And so it is my deep, deep view in my heart that a church needs a mother and a father to be in the house. The male brings something special. And the female brings something special. Like if you if you talk with Isaiah, he talks to Cameron and myself a lot of the time, but he would have completely different conversations with Cameron. Cameron brings that that male figure side to him, whereas I tend to bring the more, probably the more deeper conversations, like I'll be the one to go, how you're going? And I'll ask the hard questions. And it's just two different gifts, two different roles. The other reason that I believe that we do need a male covering is because look at what happens in a society where there are high rates of fatherlessness. Now, you only need to look at a few stats. You can Google this yourself to see what happens when there is a lack of fathers in any society. Children from fatherless homes are more likely to be poor, more likely to be involved with drugs and alcohol, more likely to drop out of school, more likely to suffer from health and emotional problems. Uh, Boys are more likely to get involved in crimes and girls are more likely to become pregnant teens. The majority of men in prison have little to no relationship with their father. Domestic violence perpetrators that I also talked about last week, no male role models growing up. So, you know, there, there is something to be said for us needing that, that father figure. Um, Interestingly, I did a quiz on this. You girls might remember a few weeks ago, I asked you two things. I said to you, given the opportunity, would you be the sole pastor, senior pastor of a church? And secondly, would you attend um, a church as a soul with a sole woman senior pastor? Now, this is interesting. 
49% of you said that given the opportunity, yes, you would be the female soul pastor of a church. And 51% of you said no. So that was kind of split. But overwhelmingly, 86% of you said that you would attend a church with a soul woman senior pastor. And only 14% of you said no. I personally, unless God spoke to me clearly, I wouldn't do that, do either. I wouldn't be the sole senior pastor um, and I wouldn't attend a church with a sole senior pastor, but only because of the reasons I stated above. Okay. And that is my personal kind of interpretation and my personal opinion. Um, But then saying that, I was talking with someone the other day and said, uh, for those of you that know Catherine Corman, amazing, famous woman of God who lived in the, in the 650s, 60s, I think it was. Um, if she parked up the road for me, she was alive now and she started a church up the road. She's clearly gifted. I don't know, maybe I would go. Um, but I, you know, let, let me say this though. For example, when we did a little stint in Hillsong a few years ago, um, one of the first times that we walked in, there was a woman on the stage. Um, and I can't remember if she was actually preaching or emceeing. I, I think she might've been preaching. And I remember just thinking, phew, I'm home because that's what I'm used to. I'm used to having women on the stage and she was seriously fantastic on the platform. And my first thought was, thank goodness, georgia has got another example other than myself. So it's not just me that she's got to look up to as a female in ministry, but she's got another good example. Now we could get really kind of tricky. And I was talking with Dougie the other day. He threw this spanner in the works. Thanks, Doug. And he said, well, what would stop a female from becoming a senior pastor within the ACC because she would be doing it under the authority of our national director, who's a male, who's Wayne, Pastor Wayne Alcorn. And um, couldn't she do that? I was like, uh, yeah, that's true. That's true. You could. You officially would be under, you know, doing it under the authority, not only of our national director, but of the whole board. Um, but again, to me, it just, a church just so benefits from that male and female um, but you know, if you, if that's what you feel called to do, then I don't want anyone to feel discouraged from that either. I just think a whole church benefits from the protection of that male covering, just like a family benefits. And I don't see that as hierarchical or a part of the patriarchy to admit that there is something about, you know, male covering and that doesn't make us women weak. It just means that we're functioning according to God's design And a part of that is that we want to be protected and covered. And I don't see it as a part of the patriarchy to admit that there is something about male protection. So I think we need to be careful in that use of the word patriarchy. So I look at public church and I would say, you know, Cameron and I run it together equally. And Cameron is the father of the house and he brings something special. And I'm the mother of the house and I bring something special. And I think you need both. If you asked Isaiah, uh, for example, he has many conversations all the time with both Cameron and myself. And I know that he would say what Cameron brings to his life is more of a father-like, you know, in a father-like figure and men tend to bring something different. Whereas I'm probably more of the caring side. I'll have the caring conversations. I ask the deep questions. I ask how he's going. And, you know, he hurt his ankle the other day and I'm like, right, 
gave him the number to this, you know, go get laser treatment on your ankle, whereas Cameron would be like, he'll be right, just ice it up. But, you know, you can see the difference between that male and female. Um, But at the end of the day, Cameron does hold a final authority and bring the vision to our our church. Um, And he does that for our household as well. He tends to, um, to lead the way even with us as a family. Now, he never does anything without asking me. So for example, even planning a church, he felt God put that in his heart. But for years and years, I was like, no way. So for Cameron, he was like, well, you're my litmus test. If you say no, then I'm not going to go ahead. We're not going to do it because we've got to be in it together. So it wasn't until I kind of agreed and said, okay, yep, I can see that's where God wants us that, that then he's like, okay, we're ready. Let's do this. But he was the one that had the initial vision and led the way in that. But then my, what I thought and felt and my uh, contribution also meant a lot to him as well. Um, but you know, I've lived and grown up as a child without that. And I have felt the effects in my heart and soul. And I know that we just do not function best as a family without it. And I don't feel that we function best as a church without it. I know that all the time people love Cameron's preaching, but they love it when I get up and preach. They're like, you you just bring something different. Both of us equally good, equally different. Um, I have no problem whatsoever, which is against the complementarian view for any woman to be in the pulpit teaching and preaching. Now, a hardcore complementarian would say that that's a authoritative role and that women shouldn't teach. I don't view it as that. I just think, you know, within the home, within the church structure, that we need women to be teaching. Just like I teach my kids, I, I teach people at church and so does Cameron. Um, the other thing I find really interesting is you look at God in the Bible, God, our father, he's referred to as our father. Is that the patriarchy as well? Are we going to, are we going to start changing the wording in the Bible because we don't like the connotations of him as our father? Now we know that God is neither male nor female, and he's presented at times in scripture as having maternal qualities, but for the most part, he's our father and he's referred to as our father. Are we going to take that out the Bible because it doesn't fit our progressive views as well? Or is God himself making a point about fatherhood. And that's um, and that's what I think. So, you know, we've got to be careful that the worldly culture doesn't set the standard. And I've said this the whole way through. Just like in the Bible, the pagan culture didn't set the standard for the church. The worldly culture today shouldn't set the standard for our church. Now, that does not mean, by the way, that there is any place for male chauvinism. Um, you know, males shouldn't lord it over females. Um, this shouldn't take away the responsibility for men intentionally uh, making sure that they're raising up women within their churches because we are best when we minister together and we need to foster an environment where boys and girls can grow up to find their God design because the world doesn't know who the heck they are right now. We need to bring clarity to that in the church. And I want my boys and my girl to feel free to go and be anything that God's called them to do. But I also know that there's something really beautiful and special about that protection of of their, even just their earthly dad. Now, I wanted to quickly finish with one last thought. Um, And this is kind of addressing, I guess, that victim mentality I've talked about before, that I am not joining the sorority of victimhood. Um, 
because there is a bit of a victim mentality that I hear, especially when I hear people talk about these stats, even within the ACC. Um, you know, I still hear there's too much patriarchy and too much inequality. Um, but I just wanted to leave you with this challenging thought that what is actually stopping any woman right now from planting a church and becoming a senior pastor herself? In fact, in our movement, we have a church planting program that not only offers support and training on how to plant a church, but financial assistance. So when I hear this victim mentality, I actually think of my own situation. Who made Cameron and I senior pastors? Nobody. We did all the darn hard work and planted a church from scratch. Now, initially, we thought maybe some retiring pastor would come to us and offer us their church and we'd inherit a building and staff and resources. And we'd certainly proven that we could manage those things more than well enough. But that didn't happen. So we could either complain about that. Oh, what was us? Nobody believes in us. You know, we've ran a really great department in the ACC, but nobody's recognizing that and coming to us and making us senior pastors. It kind of doesn't happen that way. But we had to go and make that happen ourselves because we felt God speak to us. And nothing is stopping any anyone, including any girls listening here, from doing what we did and planning a church. And then, look, guess what? You will be a senior pastor. Now, it's not so sexy planning a church. It's hard work. It's grueling and grinding. It's not easy to build a team from nothing. Um, But we were ready for it because we've been in leadership for decades. We've built many ministries. We've got fruit and we've got our credentials, by the way. Now, that's one thing you do need to plant a church. You need to be credentialed, which I talked about before. Um, Now, how do you do that? Well, you need to be credentialed because it actually offers you protection. You know, now with all of the safer churches and royal commissions and all of that, there needs to be protection if you're going to do this. And so that provides that protection as well. And um, the way that you get credentialed is someone in your church needs to nominate you. But I would say that if you are someone that is, you know, coming through in in leadership and in ministry within your church, um, then I know in our church, we've got about three or four about to be credentialed, two out of the three, by the way, who are girls that are, we're just nominating to be credentialed pastors. So um, you need to become credentialed and that's not so hard if you're actually already in a space where you're doing the hard work. You cannot expect to have this stuff handed to you if you're actually not doing the hard work and growing something and getting the fruit. And you need to obviously have good leadership around you. Good leadership is huge. Um, So no opportunity is closed to anyone if you've got the courage and the fruit to back it up. So boom, there you go. How are you feeling about that? That's our very last one in our Girl Power series Um, It's probably been the favorite series yet. I've really enjoyed it. Um, So let me know if you've got some other topics that you want me to cover, uh, even to do with what we've been talking about. Thank you for your feedback. And I've got a real treat next week. Next week, I'm chatting with one of my favorite people ever. So make sure that you do not miss next week's podcast tune in, make sure you come follow me on social media, share it. That's the way that we get the word out, which is amazing. And let me know where you sit. Are you an egalitarian? Are you a complementarian? Or are you like me and you're somewhere in between? Anyway, have a fabulous week and uh, I'll see you all next week. Bye. Make sure you come and find me on social media, girlnextdoor.podcast.